Hi, and welcome to Today in the Medium. I'm Dan, and this is Jimmy. Hello. And this is a podcast where we ask a guest about some media that they have some thoughts on. <laughs> you know, that media, it could be a TV show, it could be a film, or it, it could even be a message in a bottle, you know? Uh, so, guest, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about the piece of media that you've come to talk with us about today? Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Andrew, and I... <laughs> I don't even know how to fucking describe myself. I jack off a lot. There's a lot of media I I don't like. There's a lot of media I do like. I suppose that describes everyone. That is very true. Um, if so, okay. So you come on to talk about? Are we talking Mortal Kombat? Are we talking uh, anything else as well? So there's a couple of things I've been I've been sort of introduced to in the last year that I never thought that I would like. One of them being <clears throat> Mako Mermaids and H2O. I don't know if you know anything about those. Oh, those classic shows! I remember those from my childhood. What a great time! Yeah. I, I did try and do my research, and I went on the wiki yesterday, and I got really sucked into attempting to work out what is going on with the magic system, because clearly it plays an important role in the show, and the wiki has attempted to quantify it. Oh, man, I, even I haven't looked at that shit. <laughs> you, you've done some arcane academic well, research, man. It's the sort of thing that sometimes you end up with some really nice, like little bit of did you know that the magic com the magic just seems to be there there's all the weird moon pools they just seem to be there the moon seems to have something to do with it yeah no like they, get really, really, they get really weird in the moonlight um it kind of affects them and their powers i'm not entirely they call it a moon spell Yes. I don't, right, so I think I think maybe we should give some background as to what Mako Mermaids and H2O is. But it's but they're both set in the same world. Yeah. Yeah. And basically there's these usually three very uh, sort of like it take it takes inspiration from like Gaelic covens where there's always three women. But instead of going whole maiden, mother and crone, it's just three fucking teenagers. And in H2O I believe the first episode... I actually didn't watch the first episode. It's stupid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed all the context and then just dived straight in. <laughs> a joke. But uh, you become a mermaid if you're in the quote-unquote moon pool, which is a set that they borrowed from Sea Life Australia. Sea Life Sydney? Right. Uh, that they just, I think, rented out for a year and a half uh, every Tuesday at three o'clock and just... <laughs> Just filmed in, in the moon pool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, um, these three girls. If you're in the moon pool during a pool in the in the in the moon pool during moon the pool, pool. you become a mermaid and get all the powers thereof. Yes, yeah. well, except that apparently there's some natural mermaids. <laughs> that comes in make her mermaids. Don't jump the gun. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but we'll get we'll get to them in time. We'll get, we'll get to them in time. Okay. So so the context. As it is, we're just investigating the backstory of a. Teenage, not even teenage, a preteen sort of. <laughs> well, I think it, it, it appeals to the preteen fantasies a lot. That whole mermaids and unicorn thing, it's very much in the same vein as uh, My Little Pony when that was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, um, I think it targets the same demographic. 
single men who are into D&D and somewhere in their like <laughs> 20s or 30s. I mean, you, you called me out, you called me out. And you, I, I will, I, I will offer this little tidbit for later on in the conversation. You're not wrong. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I work in a toy shop, so it was one of my main things to sort of like get in with the toys. And... Yeah. You'd oh fuck me. The stories I could tell you about bronies and their kin, and like I, I used to know the names of what you called like the main six, spell M A N E. Oh, oh and, no. uh, and uh, d- during that period of I think it was what 2000 and 2014, 2015. Yeah, um, the whole brony movement. Oh, fuck sinister stuff but um <laughs> but fun but really 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 fun had they not encroached upon my world so much yeah uh but yeah back to uh, h2o um we're talking shit you mentioned the magic which is really really cool i was flabbergasted at what these girls could do and how it was sort of like in a as i say in that sort of like my little pony preteen world there's they flat out boil someone's blood at one point that's intense. Yeah, yeah, man. There's Pretty a girl big. called Ricky who can uh, control temperature. She can heat up water, including blood, like full-on blood yeah. bending from a avatar. This is crazy. I think Shit, man, you don't know. You don't know. I, I'm missing out. <laughs> it's the the whole show just confuses me. Uh... <laughs> what, what confuses you? I'll try and I'll I'll try and uh, smooth it out. Uh, I'm not sure you... Right, so if you go on... Where's where's the page that I had open? I had open the page of the guy who writes and makes them all. Um, okay. He looks like an accountant. Yeah, uh, he probably does things to uh, the algorithm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he, <laughs> if you can find the page for Jonathan M. Schiff, like, I don't really understand... In fact, he was educated. He was a lawyer. He's 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 a he was educated as a lawyer. He then decided to become a TV producer. Um, he does I, look I mean, like an accountant. He looks like an accountant, and he's clearly got a thing for like the C. He made. He's a he's a conservatist, a, a conservatist, a conservationist. That was it. Ah. Yeah, he, uh, he really really likes marine life, and he's a very big proponent of. Um, you'll notice that all of this was funded by the the. Uh, the Australian government. Yeah. All of it was funded by the Australian government because uh, sea life, they pumped a lot of money into sea life and conservation programs and uh, awareness. And they just thought if they could make this very meme subculture, culty kind of show and get a big following, maybe people wouldn't shit in the sea so much. And to an extent, <laughs> they're okay. right. You know, we're, we're talking about it, aren't we? Oh my the god, Australian the Australian website's incredible. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, why? Go on, give us a little tidbit on what the website's it's like. Just, it's, it's just everything that I've always wanted in a website. A, a bunch of the links are given as little circular images laid around the edge of a UFO. <laughs> that's oh. projecting the image of Mako Mermaids. <laughs> uh, I want to know why. Whoa, what the fuck? Mako Mermaids has nothing to do with aliens! Oh, it's because Jonathan M. Sniff's fucking logo is that right? Okay, sorry. 
for a minute there, I thought, whoa, was I missing the entire alien subplot of Mako Mermaids? Shit! (laughs) (laughs) This is such a cool website. It's such a bad website. (laughs) Uh... Oh, Oh, sorry, we are missing one thing. Yes. We're calling it H2O, but its name is not H2O. Okay. It's H2O, and this is all capital, so I have to give it the gravitas that it deserves. Just add water. (laughs) In all, in every single bit of its marketing, it is H2O hyphen just add water, which is the most clunky motherfucking name. I love it. It just, it smacks of like, you know, a GCSE drama project. It does a bit. I feel like. They tried to have like a whole Nike just do it kind of vibe, but it didn't quite work for them. Yep. You know? It's, it's just mad. It reminds me when I was in DT in year 11 and we had to make some key rings and then brand it as well. So I made crazy key rings and then, you know, because everybody uh, loves alliteration, I changed the C in crazy to a K because I was a wild card. Um, and this is giving me the same energy. And I'm here for it. Right. Yeah. Why is it that whenever anyone goes to like add alliteration to something that's crazy, they change the C in crazy to a K and not the K in the other thing to a C? Uh, you know what? Well, that's a big question. Um, I would say that it's because um, crazy is the adjective. Or the ma- adverb. I don't know. I I don't know how I passed English, but it's whatever, isn't it? Whereas the other one's the noun, so therefore, it's more important. Also, can you imagine keyring with a C instead of a K? That look weird. I think crazy with a K looks weird. I think I'm gonna. <laughs> this is the hill I'm gonna die on. <laughs> rebrand any logo where someone's changed a C to a K. I'm gonna do the whole thing, but the other way around. <laughs> I can't wait to see the work on the um, on Twitter later. Go follow yeah. us on Twitter, by the way. At today in the medium, just a it's quick plug. It's, it's at today's medium. <laughs> Even better, it's at today's medium. <laughs> um, I know. But make a mermaids. Yeah. Bringing us back in here. This website, firstly, is crazy. Um, but what were we, we were talking about uh, moon pools and well, spells? The, the, the way magic is presented in the world and how inconsistent it is, yet weirdly consistent. Yeah, that's that's what shocked me. Like, so much of it seems to be, you know, they needed a concept for an episode, so they came up with a spell that temporarily robs someone of their powers or temporarily gives powers to someone or you know something like that and that makes an excellent sort of episode of teenage drama it's something they've got to try and hide and work around and is immensely important whilst also there's some relationship drama going on amazing the whoever it is that has focused on keeping this wiki up to date has categorize the spells by where they come from their like what their requirements are whether they're mer people whether they come from moon rings uh just all sorts they've gone uh, deep yeah, yeah i mean like so you know when i was saying like you know there's an episode where they flat out boil someone's blood yeah the amount of power given to these 
children is just <laughs> is just phenomenal. Like there's a bit where she So put it this way, they're at a pool party mm-hmm. and they don't want to get anywhere near the water. They don't want to go near the pool. Obviously, because they'll get revealed as mermaids if they touch the water, right? Right. Yeah. So what's the what do you think is gonna happen here? Do they A get rid of the water in some sort of horrendous way? Do they B, just not go to the party, which was always a fucking option, by the way, or do they C, none of the above? Well, they definitely go to the party because... Yeah. yeah. Where's the conflict? You know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How do they get rid of the water? Go on. Right. So, Ricky, the one that can change the temperature of things, right? Oh, no. This is an Olympic-sized swimming pool we're talking about here, right? Yeah. Yeah. She outstretches her hand, and in about 0.5 seconds, boil evaporates, flash evaporates, every drop of fucking water in that motherfucker. That's a lot of the, power. The amount of energy is of, like, you know, it's it's bigger than the sun. It's like, you can't measure it in kilojoules. It's just... A it's lot just of horrifying. Can you imagine if somebody were going to like just went for a cheeky little cannonball at the same point <laughs> in time that she stretched her hand out? Vaporized, man. <laughs> yeah. oh, the weirdest thing is, pool untouched. You would expect if something were exposed to that kind of energy, at least it would scratch the fucking luster on the tiles. You know what I mean? Well, clearly yeah, yeah. it's also immense control as well, which, you know... Well, <laughs> it's right. just okay, adding so to the brought, power. You brought up something wonderful, Dan. You brought up something wonderful. This right. is at the beginning of the show where it's quite obvious they are fighting for control of their powers. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what she can do uncontrolled, man. Now, obviously, you know, you forgive them their inconsistencies, they're doing this for, you know... 13, 14-year-old girls. But <laughs> still, though, it doesn't um, change the episode where I can't remember who it is. Is it Emma? Who can freeze... Emma. Opposite powers to Ricky. Okay. And she can freeze things, and she freezes one of the main characters. Not a mermaid, but a human. Okay. And they go weirdly into the science of cryogenics. Jonathan Jonathan M. Scheif like flipped over the wiki on cryogenics and absorbed all the key all the buzzwords. Excellent. And fucking crammed them into this one episode. And there's like a bit where they have to heat her up gently, or her brain, all the synapses in her brain will just be like one millimeter too far apart and she'll be a vegetable. They genuinely went into that level of detail. They went into that level of shit. And then the next episode, I kid you fucking not, one of them trashes uh, uh, a house because they have a, a, a party, you know, like a, you know, one of those uh, Nickelodeon parties where, oh, it's really, really messy because there are three bottles on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what's my mum going to do? Like that kind of shit. Like, <laughs> that's the next episode and the girl who was frozen is there. You know, like... Wow. The callousness of it. <laughs> this is immense power, clearly. Oh, it's so funny, man. So funny. And that's the, and also Mako Mermaids, it's uh, it's spiritual sequel. Not even spiritual, it flat out is in the same world. Yeah. The the, the we've already talked about sort of, you know, <laughs> to the power of five billion on H2O just add water, but Mako Mermaids is the nth degree. They 
I don't know if anyone here plays D and D, but they have a wish spell. Okay. They use once, and everyone uses it in such a dumb way. <laughs> Can you give us an example? Oh, so they find a shell, right? Okay. Oh god, I have to give you so much backstory, right? Hey, I'm here for it. So That's what we're here for. Let's do a really, really quick cap of what Mako Mermaids is. Mako Mermaids follows not land dwellers who they, you know, weirdly name because if you're not a mermaid, you're not part of the superior species, but actual three purebred and born mermaids who live in what you call a pod, just like dolphins. Really clever, quite cool. It's explored really, really well. And can I just say, weirdly well-written, but weirdly compelling. (laughs) Like, everyone was talking about The Witcher and everyone fucking loved it and was sucking Cavill's dick, and I hated it. I couldn't watch the first episode. Mako Mermaids, we watched next, I was all there. I was there (laughs) for it, man. (laughs) Fucking great. Absolutely wonderful. Now, that aside, they find a shell. Uh And it... If a wish is spoken in its proximity, it's granted. Okay. Okay. This is this is the level of power that we're talking about here. The, the shell doesn't think about it. It doesn't have any malicious intent. It does it seemingly to the best of its ability. And there's literally a fucking bit where uh, Zack the Merman, who is kind of weirdly the enemy protagonist, lovable, but not dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He looks at a picture of himself and basically says, man, I wish you could have seen me then. And he's looking at a picture of himself when he was like 12. (laughs) And of course, he sends the two fucking mermaids that are with him back in time. And they they have like an episode where they're like, we need to be careful of the butterfly effect. Oh yeah, Ricky, what if we do something that like, completely ruins the future and he ends up getting the trident and shit. That's a whole other story. And after having this conversation, they turn around and then do everything that would fuck up the future. Excellent. They don't have a fucking... They just... I can't even tell you. It's, it's actually annoying how badly they fuck up in that episode. To be fair, but, if I was sent back in time, I feel like I'd do something to a similar extent. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. 100% if I was sent back in time, I'd have, like, I'd deliberately say something about the butterfly effect and then yeah. immediately set to work. Do you know what? Whenever time travel comes up in, like, TV shows and things, they establish rules, they then tend to in many, many cases, be inconsistent with their own rules, talk a lot about various things, and leave everyone guessing about, like, what the results were and blah blah blah, and if I end up in a situation where it is on me to discover the rules, I'm gonna find out how far those rules go, and it might mean that the world ends. Wait, it's interesting that you say that, because I love Mako Mermaids because it has nothing to say. It is not making, it's not forcing anything down your throat. It doesn't want you to learn. It doesn't want you to do anything. It's not pushing an agenda. There's no politics. There's fuck all. A lot of people might turn around and say, oh, it's a sort of environmentalists thing. Those episodes are very few and far between. And even when it's focusing super hard on it, it really cares about the mermaids more. And I love it for that. It is unashamedly vapid. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's absolutely wonderful. But what you've just said there about, oh, they set rules and then break them and that's its format, that's the format of very nearly every successful anime ever. So, uh, a la Naruto. Um, okay, no, I'm with you, I'm with you. And what's the other one? Fucking the other ninja, the other ninja Hogwarts one. I feel like you're talking to the wrong two people. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Well, look, if anyone was looking at that, yeah, they'd, yeah. they'd know what I was talking about. But yeah, like Dragon Ball Z. Oh, his power oh, level is yeah. like sixty billion. <gasps> but his is sixty billion and one. How did he do that? You know, like yeah, like that. That that's how like that that format works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mako Mermaids is a is a real master of it. Um, I, I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to watch it, and it's and a, a H two. I would, I would recommend skipping the first half of the first season in H two O, because they do not know what they're doing. <laughs> they're figuring out their format. They are <laughs> figuring out their characters. It, I genuinely I... feel that the first six to eight weeks of production in H two O was a fucking disaster and the director and the producers just didn't know how to talk to these kids they were not looking at cameras they were doing weird things with their hands and their hair they were obvious they obviously had to settle for takes that they really didn't want to have to settle for yeah yeah and there's absolutely no passion in it at all but then after episode like five or six they really come into their own and like they start believing in their own characters and they start acting well and saying the lines well. It, it, it is not particularly well-written uh, H2O, but Mako Mermaids is, a, in my opinion, a fucking masterpiece. If you had to give um, Mako, Mako Mermaids a rating of 0 to 10 shells, how many are you giving it? I'm giving it 11 shells. Wow. I'm giving it 11 shells, Jimmy. Um, out of all the mermaid media I have consumed, Mako Mermaids is the shining pearl in the oyster. That's a good analogy. That's a good... I, if I wrote reviews, I would be stealing that. Yeah. Hell, if I could name these episodes, I may well steal that. <laughs> <laughs> you also mentioned D&D and some of the weirdness that can go on there as something you very much enjoy when we were sort of planning this episode. Uh, just, it is... It is... Uh, <laughs> Not to be too overdramatic about it, but it's my fucking life, man. It's what I look forward to. You know, th- there's two things that make me smile. It's my fiance and D and D. I like that. Yeah. If you had to sum up, like, what your favorite but perhaps slightly odd bits about D and D are, what what would you hit us with? So it's the fact that oh, I'm gonna sound like it's just a fucking blurb to play D and D, but. It's honestly how I feel. It's just the sheer range of encounters that you can have with the simple spice of creativity. You want to play D and D? Go and go and hunt some drama students. Go and hunt some art students, and just sit them on a table and get some D twenties out. Man, you will have the weirdest and coolest night of your life. Um, some of the stuff that comes up is genuinely crazy. I mean, just, I've, yeah. I was just going to say I played in a few of your. Uh, your campaigns and they're chaotic you know in the best way 
Yeah, man. Yeah, you, you're um, you've played in a Bag Bag Barra, which is my goblin setting where the goblins <laughs> took over the world, and now you've got to wrest control from them. But like the the cool thing about that is that I hate to put limitations on my players, and even. You know, I said to everyone, the only real thing that you might have to be careful of in character creation is creating a goblin, because probably the party's going to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, other than that, have at it. I'll, I'll work with you to make any character you want. And, you know, you you had some wonderful shit on you, and so did Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the characters, I believe it was Lauren, just flat out murked an innocent person for to go uh, for a cool story. That. Yeah, and that was the heaviest days. shit that's ever gone on. You know, like you, people still remember it. People still go, "Shit, I can't believe how much my character grew, and I was forced into that." And why didn't I get an alignment shift for that? Oh, the answer is because you were forced into it, and you wouldn't have done it had you have not been desperate. And yeah, and that's was... that's kind of like the, the the craziest shit that goes on, but. I mean, I'll tell you a little bit about the, the campaign that I'm in at the moment, which is genuinely the best time I'm, I've had in a long, long time in D&D, because I've been allowed to play a character that I've been designing for years who is a complete illusionist. Right. Okay. Uh, he's a changeling uh, called uh, Haimvar, and okay. uh, I basically never do the same face twice, and I have the actor feet... And the so it's very very subpar in in, in feats. There's there's a lot of things in a D and D like the, the sentinel feat, which just basically allows you to take a reaction attack against anyone who comes fucking near you. Uh, if you've got a pole arm, that's kind of the most powerful feat in D and D, in my opinion. If you've got the right build, right? Yeah. Actor says you get a plus one to charisma, which isn't bad. Yeah. And if you hear someone for more than one minute, you can perfectly mimic their voice. Oh. And if you are in a situation where you are trying to pass as someone else, you have advantage on charisma checks to pass yourself off as someone else. I Sounds like it could be useful. <laughs> I can't tell you how much work that one shitty feat has done in this campaign. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are... There's a butthole paladin in there with stupid uh, stats... There's um, a rogue in there that can just... Oh, sorry, he's a bard who's got, like, super-powered daggers and has, uh, I think, the feats of creation. So he can literally basically make a mimic whenever he wants. And there's a storm sorcerer whose lightning balls literally take the form of just giant crackling balls of lightning. And then there's Hamevar, who has disguised self, illusionary script, um, minor illusion, greater illusion, silent image, that kind of shit. And... I'm the one who controls the battlefield. It sounds like a real A-team situation, you know? It's, it's so big brain to play him. Right now, I'll just tell you uh, literally what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. I am penning a play in character, in-game, extolling right. the virtues of my party because we fucked up so badly... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we we just we have made so many enemies. The only way I can see out of it is propaganda. <laughs> oh, excellent! <laughs> that is a great way. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that's what I feel about D and D. 
do you have like a favorite a favorite moment a favorite story that came about from any game that you've been a part of either as like as the dm or as a player do you have anything so, that you'd like sticks out yeah i've got two i've got two favorites um one when i both both, both when i was players because i i do like gming it's just very stressful for me and yeah um, i tend not to have the time to create the worlds that i really really want for my players and i also like to hand draw everything that i have on hand yeah yeah of course a lot of work and i probably should just like mellow myself out and just have different assets but that's besides the point my favorite thing story that i've ever had out of D, the first one is the uh d20 prophecy I okay to traveling man in liverpool when i went to uh university for you know the first time in 2009 mm-hmm. and i bought two d20s both red and one of them has little tiny air bubbles in it and he's quite like yellow and old and aged it's quite lo- well loved even when i got it and another one the exact same shade no bubbles in it and absolutely pristine looking weirdly they've never aged they've never l- lost that kind of luster mm-hmm. that dice it is not weighted and for other people, it can roll anything it wants. But in my hands, during important rolls, it will not roll above a 10. <laughs> and I am, this is a deathly serious thing. If we are playing D&D and the, the role matters in any real way, like death or, or a, a, a success at bluffing someone, it will not roll over a 10. However, my friend did make a prophecy that one day it would save the character that I love the most. Right. And so I can't fucking throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) Not only can I not throw it away, I can't not use it. Um, So (laughs) this is is one of those things, you know, and it's that super... And I do not consider myself a superstitious person. When I was in university especially, I was the most militant atheist to my detriment. You could have ever met and any amount of superstition or religion that you showed was just gonna be oh the vitriol in me oh i'm so glad i'm not that person anymore but um yeah the there's that story uh i have other tales but uh yeah i suppose those can wait uh is there anything else you wanted to ask so um you may be aware andrew (laughs) at the end of our podcast we ask a question and it's a very important question. It's one that I want you to sit with, to carefully consider, blah, blah, blah. You need to, uh, what I'd like you to do is pick a character either from the H2O Dristad Water universe, or I suppose you could pick something role-playing related, although it might not work quite so well. Yeah. And, uh, with an hour's preparation time, how many lions you reckon this this character could fight? <laughs> how many lions they could fight? Yeah, so uh, they get an hour's preparation time, there's a theoretically unlimited amount of lions, they fight the lions in something equivalent to the sort of terrain that they are in as standard, so if you were picking a H2O character, they would be in coastal Australia, I believe. Um, 
Well, <laughs> it's a very interesting question. <laughs> yeah. I, I genuinely think that Ricky could fight Infinite Lions because her powers don't seem to drain her and she can boil people's blood. It is that. pretty. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty certain that the the lions explode. And them them exploding then causes a huge superheated mass of viscera to splatter onto <laughs> the other lions, which then themselves yeah. become fodder for the storm. So it's just a never-ending cycle of I reckon Ricky could hold them at bay. Yeah, a solid job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay, so my, my, my character is Ricky and my number is infinite. Right, but... But. Okay, but. <laughs> uh, at some point, she will pres- presumably, unless uh, unless they are a sort of ageless beings. And in fact, I have a far more important point than the fact that she's ageless and uh, might die at some point, which is okay. that at some point Ricky is going to have a pressing social engagement where she has to pretend <laughs> to be a completely normal teenager. Does she have to hide the fact that lions are attacking? Well, she, she either she has to continue to get through her life whilst for completely pretending to be normal, enjoying all of the complexities of as life in a the complexities of life within a sort of preteen show and the drama that ensues and continually be fighting the lions without anyone noticing or she has to pick a number where she can kill them and then just move on with her day you know before the credits roll i'm just loving you know what i as a side note on this i really want to see a tv show where this is the thing where somebody's like having to cope with the cope with life whilst also having something ridiculous like this little side reel that happens like five minutes in the show where they have to go and kill a bunch of lions I mean you just want to watch The Walking Dead that's exactly what it is and then like there's well this is it right and there's but the thing is there's no context to why the lions are there they're just (laughs) there (laughs) like it's five minutes oh look it's lion time again so to have that many lions you by virtue, have to have an a, an infinite food source. Yes. Yeah. So why are they so pissed off? They're all dead enough to be breeding so quickly. Um, this is this is the first time we've had to think about this. Um... So I, I I want I want to say that Ricky, having looked down at her hands and realised the blood of literally tens of thousands of beasts are upon them would then yeah. try and think of a way that she could stem the tide. Yeah. I'm getting um, Thanos vibes right now, you know? And I'm thinking... Yeah, I'm thinking, like... I'm thinking maybe she just goes to the social engagement and then, like, just every five minutes he's going to have to kill another thousand lions. <laughs> She's just like, you know, you know that, that scene with, like, the revolving door? And like Ricky yeah. comes in, he's like, "Oh, hello, how are you? How'd you do?" Oh, yeah, just one moment, and then goes back out, <laughs> and then all you see is like <laughs> all, the, all the windows covered in blood and fur, and then she comes back in, dusting off her evening dress, like, oh, "So, guys, 
I'll tell you what, I'd love to see, like, Australian Fox News reports <laughs> reporting another wave of lines has suddenly gone disappearing. <laughs> Whatever has been happening. We've had to en- ignore a lot of the, uh, the rationale behind why the lions are being fought in order to make sure that people fight lions. So, right, okay, okay, okay. It's, if it's... you want the maximum amount of lions killed on a basis where, you know, it's, it's going to be an actual challenge and entertaining to observe, right? Sure. I have a non-fictional character that I would love to see. Okay. Gone. Steve Irwin versus Infinite Lions. Oh. Oh. He's got, he's got a full TV crew with him yeah. all the way through the fucking thing. Yeah, of course. And it's being live streamed to every TV on Earth, and he is the he is our Rambo. He's the only the only person who can do this. And somehow, right? Somehow, he has his son with him. Yes. Who is as old as he is now, but his son full on remembers Steve getting killed by the the the, the fish. Potentially quite scarring for... for... 110%. This is the scenario. So we've got the drama between father and son. He'd just been reunited, but now they have to kill lions. Yep. And Steve Irwin, like, you know, he knows he has to survive. You know, you've seen him, like, grab an alligator. He's not fucking gentle. He knows how to handle these things. Yep. But he doesn't want to kill it. But he has to kill a lot of lions. What's going to happen? That would be a reality TV show. This would be an entertaining fight. The drama. <laughs> it's got everything you'd want. <laughs> I mean, besides Steve Irwin eventually being overcome by lines. Like, I'm sure someone would be very happy with that one. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is hurting my head. <laughs> yeah. I think that's my, yeah. That's my answer. Um, and I think the answer is one. I think he could probably bring himself to kill one lion, but then not another. Okay, I can see that. That's that's. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> We've gone round the blocks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well. Uh, th- thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in all seriousness, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, very much. <laughs> I hope you can and add like a good of, of what I said. Yeah, that you will. <laughs> I hope everyone else has enjoyed uh, what is probably one of our shortest episodes so far. <laughs> if you particularly want an unedited version, I'll make one available somewhere, but uh, it won't be on the public podcast feed. <laughs> <laughs> you should have given me a number that I could have kept myself at. And that way, we could have had a longer talk. We'll do this again, but yeah. we'll, we'll talk about what we actually want. Yeah, <laughs> we, can, we can do it again. It's all chill. Well, I'm sure that whatever ends up coming out of this will be great. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, do you have anything you wish to sort of plug or advertise? Um, I don't really do much. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, be nice to each other. Thank you for coming along. Uh, if you're listening, 
do the podcast things, whatever. Um, like, subscribe. I don't know if like, that's subscribe, comment, uh, leave a review, <laughs> leave a comment, see what your app will let you do, and try and do it. Um, share it with someone if you've enjoyed listening, and hit us up if you wish to appear on an episode. See you later.